Do you carry a wallet? Have you ever lost it? Then had to scramble to cancel your credit cards? Or how about that feeling of defeat? Losing that crisp $100 bill you just took out of the ATM. Not fun, right? Wallets, whether overstuffed or empty, are objects that were once connected to our wealth and carried our identity. But now there's a shift. We're moving from physically going to the bank and waiting in line for a teller to going to our phones and doing our banking instantly where numbers on a screen define our wealth. Now, another shift is upon us. We're going from traditional online banking to cryptocurrency. Our announcement earlier this week, what we have done, as you we were saying, is enable consumers to get crypto in and out of their PayPal wallet. That does a few things. So if you think about networks, there is, is anyone's guess, but let's assume that crypto users out there is about 100 million of them in their network. The PayPal network that has hundreds of millions of consumers and millions of merchants was related but separated. What we did is we built a bridge between this fiat universe and this crypto universe. And you need to believe that the value of those two networks combined is going to be so much higher. On stage at Consensus 2022 in Austin, Texas by PayPal, crypto lead Jose Fernandez de Point announced that they will allow consumers to transfer crypto out of PayPal to external wallets in a first step for the company to move from a fiat-oriented world to a digital currency one. So today, let's find out more about crypto wallets altogether. From Matrix Mortgage Global, this is Crypto House, a place where we break down all things crypto in a way that's easy to understand. I'm your host, Sean Allen, the founder of Matrix Mortgage Global, and we're the first mortgage company in Canada to accept cryptocurrency, not only as an asset, but as a form of payment. Whether you're a first-time visitor or feel at home in crypto, there's something here for everyone, and the door is wide open. Crypto wallets don't have the scent or smoothness of leather, but they carry limitless wealth and they are the backbone to any crypto portfolio. They are where your digital wealth begins. But they technically don't store your crypto like a traditional wallet stores cash. If you've listened to episode one, you know your crypto lives on the blockchain. The blockchain is a technology that allows your digital currency to exist and function. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, please go check it out. Now for a bit of history. The first known crypto wallet was created by Satoshi Nakamoto, the creator of Bitcoin. Now you remember that name from episode one. It was a program built alongside Bitcoin, the currency, to eventually evolve into the system it is today. Back in 2009, setting up your crypto wallet was an unfamiliar and often complex process. But today, setting up your wallet could be done in a matter of minutes. You just download an app on your phone and enter a few key pieces of information, and that's it. In my opinion, it would probably take you longer to figure out today's crossword puzzle than it would to set up your wallet. Crypto.com is an example of a wallet that's making big waves right now. The Staples Center in LA was recently renamed the Crypto.com Arena, and 
If you watch F1 Racing, their name is all over the track. They have eight listers like Matt Damon promoting their platform and they ran flashy ads during this year's Super Bowl in an attempt to grow their user base. And if you're wondering, the Crypto.com community sits at just over 10 million users with ambitions to reach 1 billion and become a global brand. And that's just one platform. You can also get started with your crypto wallet on other top platforms like Coinbase, Electrum, Binance, Metamask, and so many more. A crypto wallet is an online space that allows you to see the value of your cryptocurrency. In the future, I see wallets holding things like your identity and your health information, just as our current physical wallets hold our health cards and driver's license. So that means your digital dollars and perhaps one day your digital identity can all be held in a secure digital wallet, locked up and stored on the blockchain. Now, to help us understand even more about wallets and exchanges, I would like to welcome back Russell Kors, the co-founder and CEO of Easy365 and Easy Exchange. He's a blockchain, cryptocurrency, and NFT expert, and a globally recognized thought leader with a vision to bring cryptocurrency to the masses in an easy and secure way. You know, when we're talking about cryptocurrency, uh, a wallet is uh, the first, probably the first thing you should learn if you're getting into the space because... Uh, and this is one of the fundamental differences between crypto and other assets is that you manage your own assets completely free of any other third party. And what that means is that now there's different types of wallets. So I'll, I'll start with the, the, the most basic, um, which is called a, a non-custodial wallet. So essentially uh, what that means is that the wallet is an app written by some software company, but the, the key is uh, that once you install this wallet, the company that built it has absolutely no access to your wallet in particular. It only resides on your device. It connects directly to the blockchain. Uh, so it, the wallet essentially allows you to view and interact with your digital assets. Um, and, and again, the key is, you know, when we think of, so if you go and you buy stock, you you open an account with E-Trade or Ameritrade or whatever, and they maintain your, you know, account wallet. Uh, if you have, uh, if you have a bank account, again, the bank maintains your wallet. Um, in, in every example that we're familiar with, there's some trusted entity that maintains your account for you. And if you happen to forget your password, you go onto their website and you click forget password and they send you a link to reset it. Why? Because they store your password information in a central server at their facility or headquarters or maybe in the cloud, what have you. But the point is, is that it's centrally stored. And so, you know, you have, uh, you can almost think of it as a digital nanny sort of looking out for you. Um, but the flip side to that is, and we, we just saw this in Canada not too long ago with the Emergencies Act, you know, you can lose access to your assets because essentially what happens is when you have money in the bank, when you have stocks with a stockbroker, um, you know, gold with a gold dealer, whatever the case is, uh, you don't actually own. I mean, you, you, you don't hold your assets. You're, some other company is holding your assets and simply giving you access to them. 
Uh, and that's the fundamental difference between that and a non-custodial cryptocurrency wallet. So with a non-custodial cryptocurrency wallet, you control every aspect of that wallet. And if you happen to forget your password, you lose access forever. There is nobody that can help you recover that password. So again, there's, you know, you could think of it as pros and cons. That is a risk, but at the same time, you know, the, the trade-off is that you have ultimate control and no one else can ever access your wealth and your and your assets. And, and that's really fundamental. Um, so that's a non-custodial wallet. Uh, the, the alternative to that is a custodial wallet, and that is what is used on exchanges. So if you were to open an account with Coinbase, with Crypto.com, with Gemini, with, uh, you know, with any of the, uh, of the exchanges that are, are out there, uh, they create an, a wallet for you that they maintain. And this is really analogous to the bank account because they can freeze your account. They can, you know, uh, uh, re revoke your access to it. So that's a custodial wallet. And the one key is, is the term private keys. Now that we know about non-custodial and custodial wallets, let's pause to talk a bit about crypto exchanges. As Russell just pointed out, wallets and exchanges are similar. And though most exchanges have wallet capabilities and features, they serve a slightly different purpose. A crypto exchange is a platform that allows you to convert your fiat currency, aka dollars, into cryptocurrency and make crypto investments in projects and even buy things like NFTs, which we'll get into in future episodes. An exchange is where you can buy, sell, trade, and build your own online wealth. Before exchange platforms came around, if you wanted to buy a crypto coin, you had to find another person willing to sell it. As you could imagine, that's a little more time consuming and complicated. If you hold money on a crypto exchange like Binance or Coinbase, those companies have some control over your cryptocurrencies. Some blockchains like Elrond have their own wallet in exchange, for example, like Meyer. They claim to give anyone, anywhere, easy access to the digital economy and are building what they call an internet economy. Whatever kind of crypto wallet or exchange you choose to unlock the world of digital finance, you need to be very familiar with the private and public keys. So you may have heard this term if you're, if you're familiar with crypto, uh, or, or uh, outside of it, it's um, there's private and public keys. And the, and the simplest way to think about those is uh, your public key is like your email address. So if somebody wants to send you Bitcoin, you give them your public key. Just like if somebody wants to send you an email, you give them your email address. Uh, and then there's a private key, which is analogous to a password. It doesn't really, it's not really the same thing, but it's the easiest way just conceptually to think about it. So your private key if somebody gets a hold of that, they can empty your wallet. They have access, complete access to your wallet. And um, and the private key is what you would use if you ever, you know, let's say you load a, a non-custodial wallet on your phone and the phone gets destroyed or it gets stolen. Um, you, as long as you have the private key, you can uh, restore your wallet on any other device. So it allows you to, to access. And then if you want to have your wallet accessible from multiple devices, you can do that as well using the private key each time. So you have to be extremely careful with the private key uh, that A, you don't lose it and B, 
nobody else gets a hold of it. Um, so with non-custodial wallets, you control your private key. With custodial wallets on exchanges, the exchange controls your private key, which is why there's a very common refrain in crypto, which is not your keys, not your crypto. So if you do not control the private key of your wa of a wallet that you have crypto in, then effectively that is not your crypto. It's someone else's and that person or entity is giving you access for now, but that could change at any moment. So the, the rule of thumb is only store crypto on an exchange if you are actively trading. Obviously, if you're a day trader, you need it on the exchange in order to buy or sell. Uh, but if you are hodling it, which is a way of just saying if you're a long-term holder, if you buy and hold, then uh, you should transfer your crypto out of an exchange and into a your own non-custodial wallet. Not your keys, not your crypto, or as I like to say, not your keys, not your cheese. When you move your crypto to a wallet, you hold the keys. In the real world, when you invite someone to your house, you give them your address. Consider this your public key. To get into your house, use a traditional key or a keypad. In either scenario, both of these are private, and so are your private keys. Private keys demonstrate the right to ownership. A private key is a theoretical or random number that is generated and required to meet a cryptographic algorithm. What the heck does that mean? Well, basically, it's a complicated secret code, a password, created only for you and shared only with you. There are ways to secure your password by using seed phrases. Basically, a 12 to 24 word phrase that only you would know to help you retrieve your password in case it's lost or even forgotten. Horror stories have happened, and not just to new crypto users. At the time of this recording, a software developer from San Francisco currently has a wallet containing over 7,000 Bitcoin, but he forgot the password to his wallet and only has two attempts to figure it out before his device auto-encrypts the coins and makes them inaccessible for good. He still hasn't figured it out. Uh, everything from the silly to like, uh, for example, one person suggested, have you tried the word password? Um, so that's, <laughs> that was one. Um, some people have uh, recommended various mediums, uh, psychics, prophets uh, that I could talk to. Try anything, I guess. Thomas is not alone. The New York Times reports $140 billion worth of Bitcoin appear to be lost or stranded in digital wallets. And now that we know about keys, let's get back to wallets. There are three types of crypto wallets. A paper wallet, a cold wallet, and a hot wallet. A paper wallet is just that, a piece of paper that holds your key information. This type is used for safekeeping, and its intent is not to have fun with and spend like others do. A cold wallet is also known as an offline wallet. It's a physical piece of hardware resembling a USB stick. Traditionalists tend to like this kind, since it's a tangible item that holds your data. They know its location and who has access to it. A hot wallet also known as an online wallet is just that an online platform or app that allows access to your wallet with your private key 
That key, as mentioned before, proves ownership of your digital dollars and operates like an online banking platform. An example of a hot wallet is ShakePay. It's one of my personal favorites for beginners because it's easy to understand. To make it easy, you can think of a paper wallet as a checkbook, a cold wallet as a safety deposit box, and a hot wallet as your online bank account. Each type of wallet has its pros and cons. Since paper and cold wallets are stored offline, they're less vulnerable to penetration and malicious activity. But they're also limited in what they can do as the crypto world advances. Remember that old feeling of losing your wallet? That can still happen with these wallets. Hot wallets, on the other hand, offer a balance of security and accessibility. But because your private information is stored online, you can be susceptible to hacker activity. However, thanks to blockchain technology, it's highly unlikely. Now, what makes a great crypto wallet? Well, um, security is obviously uh, key. So this is where, you know, I said earlier that, um, or maybe on a, on a previous episode, that Bitcoin, the blockchain, the raw blockchain itself has never been hacked. In the 12 years or 13 years that Bitcoin has been around, it has never been hacked. And, um, that, you know, so when I say that to people, they're like, oh, what do you mean? I just heard about a hack. I, every other day I hear about a hack in crypto. And the, the, the hacks that are occurring are from third-party applications. So whether they are bridges from, you know, one, one blockchain to another, whether they are um, uh, uh, tokens uh, created over uh, on, by another party, whether they are wallet, you know, other applications, the applications are where vulnerabilities may lie. So obviously, um, uh, it's very important to research uh, the the security and the history of a particular wallet. Um, I'll just throw out my personal favorite is called Exodus. Uh, exactly how it's uh, spelled, exactly how it sounds. It's available on on mobile as well as uh, desktop. Uh, it's an excellent uh, non custodial wallet. A very simple user interface. Really easy to learn how to use uh, and very secure. Never been hacked. Um, and uh, that's that's the one I use. But there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of other options. But I would say. The two things, the two most important things, security, number one, without a question, and then user interface. Uh, because, again, unfortunately, that does tend to be an afterthought in this industry. Um, you know, I think some developers assume that everybody knows as much technology as they do. And so um, uh, there are some wallets that are very cumbersome and difficult to figure out. Um, but uh, user interface would be the other um, the other factor. And now talking about, you know, security and hacking, a lot of people still have fear uh, with regards to someone getting into their wallet. Are, are wallets generally safe? Um, for, for the most part, yes. And, you know, the reality is, like, I, I spend a lot of my time researching. Anytime I hear about a hack or somebody getting scammed or losing assets, uh, you know, first, I feel very badly for them because, uh, you know, it happened to me, actually. My very first experience ever in crypto uh, was losing 7.3 Bitcoin to a scammer. Uh, now, back then, that was probably worth about $1,000. <laughs> it's significantly more today. Uh, but nonetheless, it actually, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience because uh, it really, you know, I've been incredibly diligent ever since that experience. And I probably uh, prevented much larger losses as a result. But 
the 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 reality is is that almost all uh, scams and hacks in crypto come down to social engineering. And if you have if you if you establish good uh, opsec, good operational security, you can uh, prevent you know ninety nine point nine percent of hacks. Very few hacks are somebody you know you you. Uh, uh, infiltrates your wallet directly. They're almost always phishing attacks. You know, click on, you click on a link that you shouldn't have in an email or in a text message or or something along those lines. Somehow, you know, you 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 give up your password. So um, there, it, it definitely should be something that uh, somebody puts significant thought in. And and you know, again, operational security. You know, this is two uh, FA in all of your applications, especially your email. Um, making sure that you're using uh, an app, like something like Google Authenticator as opposed to SMS to FA, so that even if you're SIM swapped, people cannot gain access to your accounts. So there, there are definitely ways of pr- protecting yourself. Uh, and uh, you know, if you if you do a little bit of due diligence on the wallet application that you're about to use, you can feel very secure. And you know what? That's that's a good segue there, because how would one know which wallet to choose? There's so many options out there. Can you just give some insight on that? Absolutely. And it's really, uh, you know, Google is is your friend. Um, uh, you can there. There's a number of really good rating sites out there. And again, even if you if you don't know which ones are the best, if you read three or four uh, and they all kind of say the same thing, that this wallet is trustworthy, um, user uh, reviews are key. Uh, you know, again, fortunately, um, in the, in the uh, whether it's uh, the uh, iPhone app store or the Google app store, you can look at, re- there's thousands upon thousands of reviews of any of the most popular wallets. Um, so yeah, just, you know, I would say just do some research um, and see what other people say. Uh, you know, the, the, the popular wallets now have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of users. So there's enough history uh, and there's enough of a sample size to feel confident about, uh, you know, if there's a consensus, you can you can trust it. Yeah. And the last question is, you know, there's multiple wallets out there and multiple exchanges. Do you need multiple wallets and do you need to use all these different exchanges? Well, unfortunately... The short answer is is yes, and it's only because uh, we we still have a somewhat fragmented exchange industry. So, you know, if you go to buy, if you open up a, a um, if you want to buy stock and you open up an account again with any of the big uh, online brokers, you have access to every single stock that's on the stock market. Uh, every every ticker is is available on there. With crypto, it's, it doesn't work the same way. So exchanges uh, onboard different projects, and they all have their own criteria. Some charge, some do it for free, some require you know uh, you depositing some tokens in escrow, and so as a result, uh, every exchange has different uh, combination of tokens available for trading. Um, and there's not even a single there's not a single exchange. Even you know, Binance has I don't know three or four hundred, probably maybe five hundred by now. Different tokens available. Um, you know, Coinbase is adding every day. Crypto.com I, I see updates almost daily that there this token is now available for trading. That token's available for trading. But there still is not one single exchange where you could have access to every every token out there, every every cryptocurrency coin. So. 
sometimes a token, a new project will launch and they, and they will only be listed on a single exchange. And, you know, eventually they will, they will broaden their reach. But, but on launch, if you want to trade that token, you have no choice but to create an account at this particular exchange. And, and then, you know, the same thing happens over and over again. So eventually like I have, I have accounts at probably 20 different exchanges, um, a lot of them I don't use anymore because it's it, they were only open for a single token that you know I either don't own anymore or don't trade. But uh, unfortunately, that's it's usually dictated by what token you want to trade. So uh, it's done kind of backwards, where you first identify the token, and then on Coin Market Cap or there's other websites they list every single exchange that that token trades on and the daily volume, so you could see which exchanges have the most liquidity. And then you can just go and either create an account or use your existing account on that exchange to trade that token. Um, so, and then in terms of wallets, uh, you only need a single non-custodial wallet. Like again, if you have Exodus, uh, it can support now, uh, actually, now that I just said that, it just occurred to me that no, it's the, the wallets themselves also much like exchanges don't support everything. Exodus has support for all hundreds of tokens, but still not every token that's out there. So it is possible that you may own a particular token that you would like to withdraw off of the exchange and put it in your own non-custodial wallet. And you may need a specific wallet for that one token, which typically the project in that, if it's an obscure token, uh, the project itself that issued the token will almost always develop uh, a proprietary wallet for you to store that token in uh, if it's not common and if it's not already supported by other wallets. So, uh, the, you know, there are options, but unfortunately, uh, if you are, you know, if you buy Bitcoin and Ethereum and nothing else, yeah, one wallet, no problem. But if you're if you're an active trader in, in a number of different currencies, you may need more than one wallet. Another use for wallets are for smart contracts or digital contracts. We'll talk more about those in future episodes. But for now, you should know that smart contracts are digitally signed in the same way cryptocurrency transactions are, independently verified and signed. And the keys to the smart contract universal keys are held in a crypto wallet. Thank you, Russell, for joining us today. That was a lot of great information for people just getting into the space, and I look forward to chatting with you more in the future. Russell Kors is the CEO of Easy Exchange and published the Easy Academy at easy365.io. You can follow him on Twitter at Russell Kors. And now for my two cents. What do you do if your crypto hardware wallet is broken, lost, or stolen? As I mentioned earlier, a hardware cryptocurrency wallet is the most secure way to store your private keys safely. But because these wallets are physical, they run the risk of being lost, broken, or even stolen. So what do you do if the worst happens? One, move your cryptocurrency elsewhere. To do this, you'll need your seed and recovery phrase, that 12 to 24 word password you're given when you open your cryptocurrency wallet, be it software or hardware. You can then clone your wallet, but make sure your wallet you're moving your funds to is reputable, secure, and compatible with your crypto keys you currently have. Two, order a new wallet. This is if you want to keep the hard wallet. Just remember, replacing a hard wallet can be quite expensive. Three, take extra precautions. Remember that without your seed phrase, 
breaking into a hard wallet becomes almost impossible. So make sure you keep your seed phrase super safe at all times to avoid anyone getting their hands on it. Lastly, when it comes to wallets, remember your hardware wallet is secure, but not impenetrable. Thank you for joining us today on Crypto House. The Crypto House is a crypto education podcast from Matrix Mortgage Global and is produced by Curious Cast Podcast Network, podcast for curious minds. I'm your host, Sean Allen. Until next time, thanks again for stopping by. Come back soon. You're always welcome here at the Crypto House.